Hello, my praying people and friends. This is my second episode of the new year on the Leanne McCoy podcast. If you want to learn all about why I've changed my name from the Prayer Clinic podcast to the Leanne McCoy podcast, then go back and listen to episode one where I go into a lot of detail about that. But now that we're in episode two and we're getting rolling during this new year in January of 2023, I'm going to share with you a little bit in this episode, um, really six things that I learned over the holidays, and I'm calling it How to Find Joy in the Chaos, a chaotic lesson on laying hold of the joy that is yours to have no matter what's going on around you. So, a chaotic lesson on laying hold of the joy that is yours to have no matter what's going on around you. My friends, um, my one goal this year in 2023 is to search out and lay hold of the joy in the chaos. And that's what we're going to unpack right here in this episode of the Leanne McCoy podcast. So there's six ways that I'm going to approach this new way of living, this way of living that will allow me to search out and lay hold of joy in the midst of the chaos. Five of these six ways I discovered actually over the holidays. And so these were the things that God was teaching me while um, we were celebrating Christmas and the new year and then kind of getting rolling into this new year of 2023. One of these six ways, the, the one that is not the five, I really learned from my older sister, and I'm going to tell you about that one first, and then we'll see how many of these I can get into this podcast. I may break this into two parts. This will be part one, and I'll finish part two in next week's. So let's dive in and talk about these six ways to be able to lay hold of the joy that is ours to be laid hold of in the midst of the chaos that might just be a natural result of living lives in this um, world that we live in right now. All right, number one, and this is the one I learned from my sister. I'm going to do my best to float, don't paddle. The scripture reference for this thought is Psalm 46, verse 10. And Psalm 46, verse 10 simply says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in all the earth. I have this verse printed on some wind chimes that I have hanging on my porch at my laughing place in the North Carolina mountains. And these wind chimes aren't just any ordinary wind chimes. They're the great, big, um, beautiful chimes that when the wind blows, they just bong with a great, big, and beautiful sound. And right there in the middle of the um, the piece of the chimes that kind of hangs down in order to bang against the pipes that make the beautiful music, this verse is printed, Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. These wind chimes, I'll tell you um, how they came to me as I tell you the story of what this means to do my best to float, not paddle. When I was fighting cancer back in 2012, my sister would send me care packages and it wouldn't be unusual for her care packages to include, you know, coloring pages and um, and uh, word searches and maybe even those little scratch off pictures where you take a stick and you scratch all the black off and you have a beautiful picture underneath it. She would give me these little nothings that I could do while I was sitting in the chemo chair 
every other Monday where I went to sit for five to seven hours. It was a thoughtful thing for her um, to do. And always the, the care packages came with a card. And one time, the card that was in my care package had a picture of a little critter sitting happily in a sailboat, but a sailboat that was bouncing on these storm-tossed waves. And on the inside of the card, it simply said, she had written it, float, don't paddle. Sharon told me that I lived my life as if I was whitewater rafting on a raging river that was somehow out of control. And she told me that it was admirable the way that I would conquer the rapids and how I stayed in my little raft through the twists and turns of that river or even climbed back in when I got spilled out. But she explained that wasn't the kind of river I was really living in. She told me that my real river was like the lazy rivers that run around the water parks. Those kinds where every twist and turn has been carefully created to be just enough to create a thrill, but not enough to do any real harm. She said that God had me in that lazy river and he just wanted me to relax and trust him in the ride. I was supposed to float, don't paddle. Sharon knew me well. She understood that I'm the kind of person in my faith that, you know, I'll walk through the fire, but boy, I'm going to take hold of God and wrestle with him while I do so. And I'm going to be concerned and look this way and look that way and be determined that I'm going to win. But it, I'm going to put forth all of my effort and all of my faith to do it. She also knew that even though they called me a patient as a cancer patient, I was not very patient at all. <laughs> and oftentimes the medications the doctors would give me, I would second guess or I would leave out the ones that I thought would be more harmful for me than good. I just simply chose not to trust um, the people that I was paying to uh, literally save my life. A year or so after I finished treatment, um, my sister was diagnosed with cancer. And I watched her do just what she'd encouraged me to do. You see, y'all, she was a patient patient. She accepted her diagnosis and her treatment plan and all of the disappointments that came along the way. And when the current of her cancer took her closer and closer to her death, Sharon rested and she spent her time telling us how much she loved us. And then she would dream these beautiful dreams of heaven and tell us what she had seen. When Sharon died on March 21, 2015, she, unlike me, floated. She didn't paddle. Those wind chimes that hang on my porch at my laughing place in the mountains were given to me by the small group that I was leading at the time. It was a group of women that we, and we called ourselves Women Navigating Crazy. They pulled their money together and gave me those wind chimes for me to be able to remember Sharon and her life well-lived. And so, that being one of my six ways that I'm going to take hold of joy and chaos is simply, I'm going to do my best to float, not paddle. You see, we're not in those raging rapid rivers where the outcome is uncertain. We are right safe in the palm of our Heavenly Father's hand, and He's going to rock us along as we go around what we think is a raging rapids, but for what he knows is just a very innocent and not life-threatening lazy river ride. All right, number two is this. 
I'm going to remember what darkness does when it's released in a room filled with light. In John 8, verse 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. At our Christmas Eve service this year, Tom and I shared with our people how the Jewish people participated in the Festival of Tabernacles. The reason we shared this with them is because it is believed that Jesus might have been born during this Festival of the Tabernacles. The purpose of the Festival of the Tabernacles is for the Jewish people to remember how God tabernacled with them, how he dwelt among them when they were leaving Egypt and walking toward the promised land. Literally, all on that um, journey through the desert, God was shaping them into a people that he would be their God, they would be his people, and he would demonstrate who he is, what he does, how much he loves us on the platform of their national life. And that's why the people of Israel are considered the people of God. And um, Jesus, in fact, was a Jewish man out of the nation of Israel. And in that way, God brought redemption to all of mankind through these people. And during that time, when he was forming them into his people, he tabernacled among them. He, he was with them. And it would be so appropriate that Jesus would be born during the festival of the tabernacles because of the fact that he was Emmanuel, which means God with us. So at our Christmas Eve service, Tom and I shared all about this festival I personally think it would be a whole lot of fun to reenact it. Like, can you imagine getting your whole congregation together and camping out on your church land <laughs> and um, participating in these water pouring ceremonies and this light ceremony that they had at the Festival of the Tabernacles? Well, toward the end of our message on Christmas Eve, we shared how Jesus made this declaration in John chapter 8, verse 12, of his being the light of the world. And as a part of that part of the message, I shared that darkness comes in two forms. One is the absence of light, and the other is blindness. And we were reminded that Jesus is the light that overcomes both. You see, because Jesus has the power to overcome the darkness, he illuminates our world. Jesus replaces despair with hope, discouragement with courage, failure with victory, shame with joy, Sin with salvation and darkness with light. Tom came up with the most clever illustration. He took a box that was closed up tight and he said to the people, do you know what happens when you release darkness into a room flooded with light? And he opens up his dark box and what do you think happens? Absolutely nothing. Darkness cannot penetrate Light, only light penetrates darkness. And after he, after he did that, we then said, do you know what happens when light is released into a room filled with darkness? And they shut down all the lights in the auditorium and we lit our first little candle and that light pierced the darkness. It was such a great example, a, a truth telling of what Jesus said 
in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Because you see, darkness, when it's released in a room filled with light, does absolutely nothing. There's no way, my friends. No matter how dark your life might seem to be getting, no matter how much darkness might be released in your world, it cannot penetrate the light. Light penetrates darkness, not the other way around. (laughs) The third thing that I learned over the holidays came from a movie that I watched, and it'll take me a minute to explain all this to you. But my verse is Genesis 6, 13. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. And the Hebrew word for the God who sees me is El-Roi, R-O-I, El-Roi, the God who sees me. And she, in Genesis 6, was Hagar. She was the handmaiden of Sarah. Remember Abraham and Sarah and how they were infertile and they could not have any children. And yet God had promised Abraham that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the sky. And that through Abram's, Abraham's children, he would bless every nation. He would make them a great nation. And then he would bless all the people groups on the earth through them. What we know, because we live thousands of years on this side of that promise given to Abraham, that God is a God who keeps his word. And sure enough, even in our day to day, thousands of years later, the people of Israel are still a people. They've literally gone back to their homeland, reestablished there in the process of reestablishing themselves. And they are still a people that God grants favor. There's all kinds of things that I could tell you about that and probably will in this podcast in this year to come. But um, the important thing is to know that God's a keeper of his word. But the thing that I'm wanting to talk to you about right now is the I see you. I'm going to remember as I live with joy in the chaos that I serve the God who sees me. He's the one who sees me. Hagar, she said this because Sarah had been um, violent with her, so abusive to her that Hagar ran away and was trying to take care of herself, and she couldn't. And God was telling her to go back to Sarah, that he would watch over her, that he was fully aware of what was going on with her, and that she was going to be okay. And um, she was in a vulnerable place. She had this um, this pregnancy that she had not chosen, but was chosen for her. And um, God allowed her to have an encounter with him that was personal and that was powerful, that culminated with her saying, you're the God who sees me. Well, we went to see a movie over the holidays. We went to see the new Avatar movie. If you've not seen Avatar and not familiar with it, um, the it's a very entertaining story. And it, this was the second of the Avatar movies. And we actually watched the first at home to be reminded of the storyline before we went to see the second one. But in Avatar, you enter into a pretend world where cat-like creatures live their lives in a utopian kind of wilderness. And the cool thing about this wilderness is that um, 
it is interconnected with their ancestors. And in fact, they have a tree or a um, a place underwater. In the second one, it's a water world. And so it's a place underwater where the people living in the world today can can connect with the ancestors, their ancestors that lived before them and have a very spiritual and powerful connection with them. And um, that connection gives them comfort. It gives them peace. It gives them understanding, all these kinds of things. But not only can they connect with their ancestors, they also connect with plants and animals. And it's a it's a movie, truly, that suddenly teaches um, a new age, a, a, a divine earth, a, a reincarnation, ancestor kind of gospel. Um, but there's a part of this in Avatar that happens in the Avatar movies that I really, really like. And it's the way they connect with each other in relationships to genuinely express that they are eager to understand, accept, and love the other person. They use the phrase, I see you. And when they say, I see you, they mean, I, I understand. I understand what you're feeling. I understand where you're coming from. I understand the conflict going on in you. I, I hear you. I, I genuinely hear what you're saying without bringing any kind of judgment on you. I see you. Well, I put that together with this um, verse out of Genesis 6.13 that Hagar, when she's at a desperate place, that chaos is overwhelming her in her world. She realizes that she can have a personal relationship with a God who says to her, I see you. My friends, if you are faced with all kinds of chaos and you cannot even make your way out of it, into it, out of it, through it, up it, down it, you just, it's overwhelming. You, you cannot, it's so overwhelming, you cannot even process what's going on with you. I want you to know that God's words to you right now in the midst of this is, I see you. I see you. And the God who sees you loves you. And the God who sees you loves you and knows how to help you. And he is right there, ready and willing for you to fall into his strong arms and allow him to, um, to express his deep, beautiful, endless love to you as he helps you navigate and make your way through the chaos that you're facing. And so, my friends, this is a good spot to pause and to stop and maybe make this a part one and a part two kind of a podcast, because I want you just to reflect on these three things. One is that no matter what's going on in your life, it's not out of control. God is still very much in control. And so, number one, do your best to float. Don't paddle. Number two, don't ever forget what happens when darkness is released in a room filled with light. If you are a child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and you've made Jesus your Savior and your Lord, then you can know that you serve the light of the world. And that his promise to you is that because you follow him, you will never walk in darkness, but will always have the light of life. Because when darkness is released into a room filled with light, nothing at all happens. The light is not the least bit hindered by the darkness. 
But the flip side of that is when light moves into darkness, it penetrates that darkness. All of the darkness has been overcome by the light of Jesus. And then thirdly, don't ever forget that you serve a God who sees you. He gets you. He understands you. He adores you. He hears you. He knows where you're coming from. He, he is ready to meet you where you are and to help you get to the other side of that. And there you have it, my friends, three of my six things that I'm going to practice this year as I intentionally take hold of every ounce of joy I can find in every bit of the chaos that comes my way. And so I hope that you'll share this podcast with any of your friends that could use this word of encouragement. I hope also that you're going to live 2023 with some great intention in your heart and in your mind. Many people choose a word in the new year and they kind of live their life focused on that word or looking for how God uses that word in their life. Just today, I was talking with a young woman who told me her word was focus. And I thought, what a great word. I've had um, words that I've taken hold of for my years. And this year's word for me, I must mean, must be a phrase. And that is to find the joy in the chaos. And so if you don't have a word yet and you want to take mine, then you just go for it and jot down these three ways that I've shared with you today, along with the scripture. I've got all of that written in the show notes so that you can have record of that. I want to remind you that um, I am passionate about mobilizing your church to pray. And if you want to learn more about the prayer clinic ministry and all that we could do as partners together, then go to prayerclinic.com. If you want to learn more about me and the ministry that I have, you can check out leannemccoy.com, and that's L-E-I-G-H-A-N-N-M-C-C-O-Y.com, and you can learn about what um, I do, and also you could sign up so that you could get my, my new articles that I post on my websites weekly. I want you to um, consider the fact that you can be an evangelist simply by sharing even great podcasts and that you perhaps would share this one with someone you know who could use a word of encouragement. And if you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to the to the new Leanne McCoy podcast and um and uh, that way you won't ever miss an episode. And if you would, if you'd also give us a rate, a rating, I think somehow that works in helping the podcast and the uh, get recognized and out to other people. So y'all take care. Keep praying, my praying people. And I'll look forward to sharing with you the next three statements of how the next three things of my six and how I'm going to find the joy in the chaos this year.